152 yards. Should be just a nice, comfortable nine iron for him. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. All right, Kev. What a day. What a day in golf. I'll tell you, when I was making my notes for this podcast this morning and what we were going to talk about and uh, thinking of like some intro topics, I did not think that probably the biggest sports story of of the year was going to happen. Um, we got a lot, of get, a lot to get to about that. Um, I am just, I'm, I'm at a loss for words, dude. You got to give me something. I got like, I, I just, this is such a stunning, stunning turn of events in the golf world. Yes. Um, so yeah, Ed, Ed texted me earlier today uh, and led with the, oh my, just, oh my God, which came through his text came through like, and then I was waiting for like the next 15 seconds. I was like, look, like staring at my phone, just waiting. I was like, what, what possibly could come next? So again, of course, credit to Ed. He saw the, saw the story first, like within seconds of it coming out because it had not been out for long. Yeah, I was and, literally uh, researching our golf podcast, like what, like the course, like <laughs> on Twitter, searching for it. It was just like perfect timing. I was yes. at a loss. Yes, and I was like, I was like, what, what could this be? And I did not think there would be anything on the scale of what it was. So then I saw the text immediately go on Twitter, and I only like even I saw a couple other golf tweets that were like something else, even besides that. So I was like, wow, like this must really be like just coming out now and then all of a sudden everything like started flooding in just crazy i tried um i tried today to to watch and listen and read as much as i possibly could and and there was a lot of stuff that came out um a couple great interviews that i listened to uh just some commentary based on like the the meeting that was held today um i think at four o'clock um so obviously still um feel like a, a, a lot in the dark of in terms of like what this is going to look like and 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 still hoping for more information to come out soon but um yeah a lot a lot of thoughts obviously I, I did not see this coming at all even in like the near future let alone today so um I don't know I think I think that it will be good I hope for fans and and the product of golf and and getting all these players back together again hopefully uh down the stretch but but right now i think it's it's just so early and new it's hard to to wrap your head around what this is going to look like so and we don't even know if that's the end game and i should we should say what we're talking about if if somehow you haven't turned on like even mainstream news is that live golf and the pga and the dp world tour every single golf entity has merged today and as i understand it it's under like the Saudi dollar. Like, I don't know if, if you got the same impression, like I, it was tough to sort through like any of the logistics because there frankly weren't many that were out there. But as I understand it, this is basically the the Saudi money buying everything and turning it into a, a for-profit organization. And like, if you know, if you had to pick like, like who bought who, like to me, it came off as basically live buying the PGA. And obviously the PGA being being the bigger entity, but you know the the Saudi head of the the whatever that that enormous like unimaginably big fund of money is called is is now on the chair the chair of the board of of whatever this golf entity is. Um, he's got a minority stake in the PGA itself as like a sub entity. But my like and like you said, I have so many thoughts. I don't even know where to start. But my first thought was like just holy shit. 
like, oh my God, holy shit. Because like you sort of said it, I never thought this was going to happen. Like there hasn't been a friendly word between either side. This, this was not in the cards. Like there was intense litigation going on in like every level of the world court. Basically there was a department of justice investigation going. And I will say like from the legal field, I'll tell you, this is the power of two enormous corporations that don't want to have their emails and budgets and all that stuff exchanged with anybody else. And sometimes like in lawsuits, when, uh, when the suit gets past the stage where like there will eventually be a trial, like there's no dismissal, there's no thought of settlement. When that discovery phase hits and people want, you know, people want all your books. And and like I said, your emails and all the dirty secrets, a lot of times stuff gets accomplished. And I think this is a product of that. Um, But for me, the most stunning part is according to every piece of news, there was no player involvement in this whatsoever. There was not even really involvement from like the higher ups at either one of these, these companies, like the Greg Norman, who is like the front person of live wasn't told about this. Tiger Woods wasn't told about this. Rory McIlroy wasn't told about this. The players were consulted like the higher ups, like sub Jay Minahan at PG or Minahan, Monahan at um, the PGA didn't know about this. Like this seemed to be like a backdoor deal between Jay Monahan and like the Saudi crown prince or whoever that, whoever that dude is. Um, and that to me is so freaking wild. And like, just how this never leaked, like it was just, it was not even a thought and then bang, like it's out there in, in a, like no build whatsoever and behind closed doors. Just, just wild to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that was going to be the main point I was going to make as well. Is it just a surprise to everyone? Of course the fans, but you would have thought that at least some of these like PGA tour players, or like you mentioned tiger or Greg Norman would have had would have had some like idea that this was going on. They just seemed as blindsided as the rest of us, like, which was Tiger insane. is golf. And he didn't, he yeah. wasn't even told like he is golf. It's yeah. just wild. And so, um, so I watched golf channel did like a, a press release, right. As this sort of news came out that I was watching and it was, uh, it was Jay Monahan and the, the head of the, I forget that guy's name. He's, um, Yasir, right? But I don't know. Yeah, Yasir. I just gotta make it up. I guess he's got like three names, but yeah. Uh, So, um, so they were talking, and and the the guy conducting the interview, he led with like, he was like, please, like, give us some insight as to like how how this happened. Like, he's like, because because uh, I forget the exact word that he used, but it was like you would you could say that the the relationship between the PGA Tour and Live has been, and I thought he was gonna (laughs) say like tenuous, but he didn't say that. He said like. Uh, at a, he said something else. Uncomfortable. But it, it, yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. He's like a nice, like a nice word. But uh, so then the the guy, uh, the live guy, like leads, and he's like, he was like, well, like, explain to us like how you guys like started like communicating, and he was like, well, he was like the other day, um, we had lunch. He was like, and, and then we played some golf and then he goes, and then we had lunch. Uh, then we ate again. I was like, okay, great. Like you guys ate twice. Like it sounds, sounds good. Yep. Okay. And then he's like, yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, we just wanted to, to make this sort of happen. And and Jay, and then he, and then the guy like goes over to Jay Mon and he's like, he's like, well, this is obviously going to like look a lot different. Like you guys are previously a nonprofit and now obviously a for-profit 
and he's like uh he's like yeah yeah of course and then like you know but they just keep going back to this like absolute like bullshit claim of just like trying to to grow the game it's and all they're feeding you all these, like all these lines of, of like not. that kind of stuff and i don't know how somebody can come out of this situation like it seems to be the sentiment from the players and the fans and just everybody that you listen to, like how Jay Monahan can can continue to be, be the commissioner of the PGA Tour and how how he's going to sort of survive this like negative press that he's going to get because he has obviously over the past year year and a half has been so so adamant, um, you know, coming out being outspoken against Liv even. I mean, he had some like very questionable comments in terms of like just putting stuff out there that like really yes. calling out their morality and and but even beyond that, like he's calling out like natural disasters and we don't have to get into any of that sort of stuff. But like, oh, Kev, uh, I'm getting I'm getting into it. I'm getting yeah. into it. like I have. So I had like the winners and losers of this. And I like Monahan for me is the number one loser above any winner in this. Like I cannot believe the the change, the change in tune that a few months makes and i know the clips were on twitter but this is like right up my alley like there's nothing i love to hate more than like just total bullshit like like it's like baseless morality i'll call it like just morality for a show and for leverage and i thought this was that pretty much the whole time but i know the big clip going around was him like invoking 9-11 and talking about those families and then the big line, the line that went around was, uh, has anybody ever had to apologize for being a player on the PGA Tour? And I've heard that line, and it's been repeated. And then to pull this 180 today in the dark uh, and basically like, like call it what it is, like just sold out for the most money possible. And it makes me think like tinfoil hat Eddie sort of has a thought that was all of this a play for more leverage like the entire time was like the strong outrage against live and like trying to sink it and throwing around some of the PGA tour weight a a in to get the most money from this organization with unlimited money possible and like make no mistake about it like golf now has like NFL money like NBA money like they just have like an unlimited fund which is good for the game but again like Jay Monahan looks terrible just as his own attitude, but then sort of to add to that, if you're a dude like Will Zalatoris, for example, who turned down $130 million um, and now watches all these dudes not only take the giant bag, but just get back to the PGA, like everybody on the PGA that turned down a big money contract basically just threw away free money. Because all the guys that went to live not only got the huge bag, they got to play in majors, but now they're just back. And I know like there'll be a quote unquote fine, but if you make $150 million guaranteed, go ahead and freaking find me a million dollars. And now I'm back on the PGA and I'm playing in all these super elevated events and I have all the money in the world already in my pocket. So I would literally kill Jay Monahan if I were a PGA player. For a not like this is supposed to be a player's league, like not incorporating me. And then these dudes literally just threw away hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, and you know, like I know Will Z was like 130 was the offer out there. 
No, Tiger Woods turned down a billion with a B dollars uh, to, to join Live. Like, that's a lot of freaking money they missed out on. And this dude, like, I just don't know how he survives this as commissioner, even though he's going to because he's the chair of this thing and it's controlled by him now. Like, it is like he is now like an ultra super villain. I, I think he like has to get fired, but now he basically can't. So it's going to be really uncomfortable at some of these player events when that dude's walking around because, yeah, like I said, if I threw away that much money um, and there's basically no consequences, that would be pretty tough to take. Yeah, interesting dynamic. First of all, how he how he has that kind of power where he can like make a deal like this or like just be the the sole person communicating with you know these guys, whatever whoever he needs to communicate with to get this sort of deal done. But yeah, um, yeah. If if I were a PGA Tour player, I would not be very happy with how this sort of panned out. Obviously, like you, whether you be whether you're somebody who, um had to come and sort of be outspoken against live like a Rory McIlroy or whether you just kind of silently didn't really make comments in the media, but you, you came out and you said, now I'm going to stick it out and play these PGA tour events. And, and I'm just going to, I'm not going to take the money that was offered to me. So um, yeah, if, if that were me, I would, I would be incredibly pissed off obviously. And, but, I, but I don't know, again, we'll see how this sort of pans out, but I don't know what's going to, sort of come of it from here on out from a few things that I, that I read on uh, Twitter from um, some guys that I trust who, who said they, they had some good sources in terms of like players that they talked to and, and sort of how this all sort of went down or, or some of the root causes behind it. Um, they said basically what's going on with the PGA. And I, I don't, I don't know if this is a hundred percent true, but, but again, it's people that I sort of have come to trust and listen to over, over the years. Um, they said basically the PGA tour was not in a good spot to fund all of these sort of designated events. They were sort of bleeding out money. They were trying to like spin their wheels and kind of um, obviously keep up with live and, and with the changes to the season this year and, and do all these things. Um, and they, they needed to kind of do something, but this, I mean, I, again, I think, I think it, that it's, hopefully if, if however it kind of pans out, hopefully it's good for the game overall, but, uh i don't know like if you're if you're jay monahan or yeah i mean you you could have at least just like stuck it out and and if the pga tour died then at least you die with some honor but like this you you just sold yourself to the wolves basically now like again yeah like you said i don't know how he survives like um but i don't know we'll see so now the now the it's unbelievable no matter what the business is it always comes down to to funding and money and we we saw it happen again here so um again we'll see how it pans out but everybody's got a price man and like i said like all those like moral high grounds like those look just super stupid now and then like you talked about rory that's my number two loser on my list and if i were him i would be irate because you know, he's the most outspoken, but he's also the guy who sort of like took the PGA on his back and was thrown out there week after week after week, just like taking all the bullets, answering all the questions. And his game obviously suffered as as a result of that. And I put some of the blame on him for sure, because, you know, you can you can sort of speak for the PGA um, in a soft way, so to speak. But he, he definitely went over the top and, and, you know, came out pretty vehemently against all these guys. And um 
you know, that that's sort of partially his choice. But, you know, he was available to the press way more than Jay Monahan and way more than every other golfer, basically, as the designated, you know, sort of spokesperson. Um, and his game started to suck. He took a mental health break. He just gave up $3 million. You know, he didn't take an official mental health break, but he missed that tournament just to, to recharge, you know, gave up $3 million there to do that. Um, and then to not be considered and to sort of find out like every other player, like I would have been, it would have been great to be a fly on a wall in his, you know, in his locker room or whatever, when he heard that and who his first couple calls would have been to. Um, it sort of almost makes me feel bad for him because like, you know, I've, I've definitely said, I think he was a little whiny this year and like a little bratty with some of that stuff, but man, like he did play the role and took like put on like the white hat and the Cape and like stuck up for the PGA and never made, like if he goes to live or he sort of comes out, like he's a needle mover and he stuck with it and sort of, you know, took, took everything and then gets like just fucked right now with this deal in a lot of ways. Um, all while trying to trying to win and trying to, you know, complete his career and really not being able to do so because of the because of the focus issues. Yeah. You got a pretty raw deal, man. It almost makes me feel for him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, especially the top guy. A lot of them came out, were outspoken and said Colin Moore Cower, I saw a tweet from him. It's like great to find out some yeah. news on Twitter on on a Tuesday right. morning or something like that. Like the, second, yeah, so, the longest, the actual longest day in golf. Like US Open qualifiers were yesterday, but Morikawa was like, who knows? We were gonna have the longest day after the longest that, day. That feels like a month ago, US Open qualifiers. It's unbelievable. Now, yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so I actually I this, saw, this week. Like, I can't No, like, I'm not right. I'm not prepared. We should take we should, the, the RBC should just take a week off in solidarity. But yeah, so I saw another uh great interview I saw as well, uh just actually before we hopped on here to record is uh, our boy Monday Q info, who I know you follow on Twitter. Great yes. follow on Twitter, by the way. He's at, I think at uh, a case of the golf, I believe is his Twitter handle, but he did an interview with Wesley Bryan, who was present at the meeting that they conducted um, earlier this afternoon, the players meeting at the RBC. And he was just sort of asking him about like, um, you know, how, how did the meeting go? I think one of the questions he asked was how how heated was it? He asked him to rate it on a, a scale from one to a hundred, and Wesley Bryant said it was a he he had it at a, at a ninety one, oh and he gosh. said he said um, previously the most heated PGA uh, members meeting he had ever attended he would put it at a fourteen, so that gives you <laughs> an, which is which is just crazy because you you can't imagine these things being very exciting that often so I I believe that wholeheartedly, uh, but yeah so he said there, there's just like a lot of a lot of comments flying around uh, some guys obviously with like very outspoken and upset opinions, um, so yeah I don't know but just a lot of uh, a lot of angry PGA tour uh, professionals right now, I would say. And um, yeah, again, we'll, we'll see how this shakes out. Like, I don't know if it's, um, I don't know. So these tours obviously are all combining. Ed mentioned it earlier, the DP world tour, the PGA tour and the live, but I don't understand if they're going to still operate separately or. We know nothing. Right? We know nothing. Like, my, what I would like to see is is for them to still be, separate tours but just stop not letting players come and play the, the events that they want right so like the live guys yes. can come play pga tour events they can play dp world tour events whatever it happens to be um that feels like the most equitable solution that you could make is just right. if you qualify for x event regardless of where it is just go play in it 
And if you don't want to, don't, you know? Right. Right. And I don't know what that has to look like in terms of like, does the lit, does live need to change some of their rules in terms of for like whatever, whatever it happens to be. But um, I don't know. I hope, I hope that it fixes the official world golf ranking stuff. And I hope that it um, doesn't jeopardize all these like team events that we love as well, being the Ryder cup or whatever it happens to be. So um, again, hopefully, hopefully it's a good thing. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. But we literally, we literally know nothing about the format. Like I know on CNBC, they were asking like Monaghan and, and this guy, like, what, you know, what does this mean? And they were like, yo, well, you know, we're still going through the details, but we're just excited about growing the game and like making it, you know, being unified and all of that. Yeah. We, we literally know no other detail and like nothing has leaked. It's again, it's so wild. Like just in a world where regardless of the news, like somebody's leaking it to somebody and it's always coming out like piece by piece by piece like this. I've read nothing about like what the actual format will like, or what will, what will other than guys will have to pay fines. Like, or is everybody welcome back now? Our PGA dudes going to be able to play and live. Our Euro guys going to be able to play and live. Like how does that interplay go? Yeah. It's been really weird to just see like absolutely nothing. Um, but what I am looking for, very forward to seeing, and I know this for like a virtual certainty, this hasn't been announced yet, but next week in LACC, when Phil Mickelson walks into that clubhouse, that dude is going to be big swinging dick, big <laughs> smirk, just strutting into that clubhouse because like, say what you want about that dude. He was right about every single iota of the crazy claims that he's made from the beginning of like him, you know, fighting the PGA tour tour until today. Like I've never seen anything like it. He was right about everything. Yeah. Yeah. He is, uh, he's flying high right now for sure. It's feeling good. Probably Phil has to be the biggest winner in all this. That's my number one, (laughs) my number one winner. It's my number one winner. Yeah. He, uh, so I said it to you when we were texting earlier today, but yeah, he was this past week. He was like, insufferable he was feeling himself and i guess i mean did did he know like, did he, yeah he did he know? did he know is my question i feel like i i don't know but um but yeah he was arguing with everybody in the mention like in the comments it's digging deep, deep in like, the comments <laughs> deep in the comments you got yeah. him and brandle i want to see it now dude brandle for those of you who don't know brandle shambly like the most stuck up golf channel writer has been against live has been against live guys in the Ryder cup has been against like notoriously against Phil and they were challenging each other to debates like with like Piers Morgan and at the U S open and going back and forth. Oh, he had to eat some crow today. So did Brando, did Brando come out and say anything today? I didn't didn't see anything from him. He He did. did. It was surprisingly a different tone. So he called it the most, the most disgraceful day in golf history, but then was like, you know, I really think it's great to get like golf out there to the world, to like places that can't, you know, can't watch it. And if that's the message, like that's noble and it's good for those guys to get exposed. And it's like, wait, uh... literally like a week ago, you were like, Brooks Kepka should be banned from the Ryder Cup. And like, it's you're supporting a murderous dictator and all of that. And like I said, it's always weird when that dollar comes to the door, like all those tones change like instantly. <laughs> And he, oh, he was insufferable. He was insufferable. So that was tough. Yeah. Yeah. I saw Brooks, uh, Brooks tweeted the wellness check on, on Shambly, uh, tweet today. It was great. And yeah, we'll see again, hopefully, I mean, these, these live guys have been showing up at the majors. So again, 
Uh, hope they just show up again and, and creates a little buzz here at uh, LACC and next weekend. So the interviews are going to be absolutely wild. And now like the possibilities are endless. So like, honestly, one of the first things I thought of is, Oh my God, we can do like a combined golf world draft now on the pod and like do all this stuff. Like the, literally not only are these guys going to be playing now, but they're going to be like, Oh, they're back in front of the camera. Yeah. It's wild. It's like, so Phil, Phil, big winner, I would say. Uh, and I would also say like now guys like John Rahm and uh, Patrick Cantley and guys that, you know, stayed on the PGA tour, but like never really got nasty in that relationship, like also come out looking pretty good too. Like they, you know, they sort of were on both sides, like equally correctly the entire time with frankly, what was like a, just the reasonable point of view in in my opinion, just like sort of just like what made sense, but you know, not everybody strives to make sense. Like they come out looking great now. And like, you know, John Rahm, especially like, I know there's gonna be more money at these tournaments. So he must be like, Oh my God, like it just gets even better for me. Like every single week, like, you know, yeah, think, highest think winning season out, of my career. Now there's just I more. Money. He, Rom came out recently with some comments about the Ryder cup, right. Saying that the live guys yeah. should be allowed to play yeah. on, the, on the European team. Yeah. Just country, country versus country, not like yeah. tour versus tour, which again, like is just, it's just sense. Like it's just common sense. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's so much like, I think the, the times and the today's day and age that we live in is that people feel like they have to, um, take a side, like one, you know, very much and, and, and just advocate for that side very strongly. Whereas, you know, like you can be somewhere in the middle and, and kind of like, say some nice things about both sides and, and just kind of have some common sense and, and just leave politics out of it. I think and that's what I think guys, like you mentioned, John Rahm and uh, other guys who are just, you know, sort of kind of just looking out for the best interests of golf, like, like putting the best golf product out there, regardless of right. which tour, like it doesn't matter which tour you support. I, I, I like I I don't mind watching a, a live of if a live event's going to be interesting I'll watch a live event if a PGA tour event's going to be interesting I'll watch a PGA tour event like and and hopefully now we we just get again these top all world players um, at more tournaments together competing uh, is the best possible case for golf I think yeah and I wonder like just I was just thinking about it like the guys that came out the least vocal uh, against the other side, whatever that is sort of are playing the best golf in the world right now. Like if you think about Brooks never really cared like about anything, like never really made any strong comments, like kept was buddies with all those guys playing awesome golf, John Rahm, same thing, Scotty Scheffler, same thing. And then I look at some of the more like outspoken dudes and not that this, like, I don't know if this actually correlates, but it's just interesting um, that dudes like Rory and Morikawa sort of, have gone the opposite way this year and have sort of been slumping a little bit and it's just, you know, interesting coincidence, but I don't know if that actually has like an effect on, on their golf game. Although for Rory, like it certainly has, but like Colin and I don't know, Cantley is another sort of in the positive category where like, I don't know, just less stress, I guess means you can work on your golf game more probably. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Um, all right. Should we get, should we get into this week's tournament? Was there actually golf played this week? <laughs> Yes, dude. There was there was golf play this week. It's hard to believe that only ended a couple of days ago. Actually, a pretty exciting tournament, pretty enjoyable event. Um, came out with some great storylines. Um, I know we we're, we'll, you know we'll hit on it a little bit 
um, at the end, but we have sort of a buffer week until the next major. Um, but this event told us about a lot of guys who are going to be playing in that. Um, and, you know, we'll start with the winner. Like Victor Hovland breaks through, you know, designated event, takes down Denny McCarthy um, in a playoff. Um, you know, Denny maybe getting what's come to him from, you know, knocking out like a million people this year in these survivor pools. Um, but Victor Hovland makes the only birdie on number 17, the entirety uh, of Sunday to sort of get that done. Pars 18 to force the playoff. And then um, I think it's par par bogey to win there. Um, sort of been headed this way for a while. He's been at the top of leaderboards. Um, you know, the ball striking has been super elite since he's really debuted on the PGA Tour. Um, but the short game and the putting like really carried him, uh, you know, again, through through this tournament and through the win. Um, gets to walk up the hill, shake Jack's hand, get the, you know, get the red card again. And, and you know, really a breakthrough win for him. So uh, great to see that from a player that I know I, I super like watching and super like following. So, yeah, I was happy to see Victor win as well. Um, I, I did feel for Denny. He was being like so solid all day. Um I mean, he was like making making par par. It was, it's crazy. It's great to watch him putt. Um, yeah, he's the best in the world. Just so best so strong. But the rest of his game was strong as well. I, I felt like he really didn't waver. Um, but that was, it, you know, it's funny sometimes. Like, not all not all playoffs are created equal, and if it feels like when certain playoffs are about to happen there's some where you just know yeah. the way it's going to go. And this was one where you kind of knew that which way it was going to go. And, and, uh, but like you said, I'm happy for Victor as well. Like he's, his, his, um, his game's been sort of trending this way for a while. So it's, it's been good to see him get like, um, this is a significant win. Um, not quite a major, obviously, but one of the bigger tournaments that, that you have on the schedule. So, um, nice to see that for him and hoping to see some, some majors out of him, um, soon as well. But I feel like the, the main talking point again uh, has to be Scotty. I got it. Yep. 100%. 100%. What a wild freaking weekend, man. I didn't think that he could gain more strokes tee to green than he did the previous two weeks, but he did. I think it was 19. 20.74. Okay. Which, which by the way, is the, uh, in the 20 plus year history of shot tracking and of tracking like shots gained, uh, the second best performance in a tournament all time, shots gained. Which, Which is, by the way, it felt like because he was <laughs> so freaking good. Um, but yeah, dude, you were about to say it. I know the putting. I cut you off, but God, no, no, almighty, it, it, God Almighty, the, the putting again. I just, uh, it's uh, ah, dead, dude. dead last this time. I don't know, dead last and guys that made the cut. I know. Yep. I saw a lot of his round on Sunday. Um, I got I got the numbers, only, dude. I got the he's numbers. Not, he's not only missing like, okay, the miss like ten to fifteen foot birdie putts is one thing. Like we've seen that among like among we've seen Rory do that a lot. We've seen a lot of players who are striking it well do that. But now he's also, I mean, the dude missed like a three and a half foot missing everything, birdie, like just missing everything. Not good. Not good at all. I don't know. It's got. It's got to be Wayne. Well, yeah. What What are the putting numbers? He lost. Yeah. I think he lost. It's worse than you think. Like it's worse than you could imagine. Did he lose uh, eight, seven, or eight strokes? Eight, eight point five eight negative. Yeah. Eight point five eight uh, shots game putting, which, like you said, is dead last in the field that played the entire tournament. Yeah. And then my favorite stat: 
is worse than the tournament average by nine strokes. So the entire upper half of the tournament gained shots putting. He lost nine more than the average. And on the back nine only on Sunday, this is just the back nine. These are three birdie putt lengths that he missed. You mentioned three and a half feet, three, actually three feet, five inches. So not quite three and a half feet, seven, four and 12, three. And you know, the 12, three, maybe like a 50, 50, 60, 40 for like most of the field make. So whatever those go either way, but those two putts inside 10 feet and to miss the playoff by one and to putt that poorly, like this dude, I, I know it's 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 now the run is like no out, nothing outside the top twelve. Like again, since October of last year, um, is on a run. And God, man, if he just he doesn't even have to be good at putting, he just has to like not suck at like a historic rate. And I think he'd just be winning tournament after tournament after tournament, and this one especially by like a wide margin. So I don't know. I, I like. I stink at putting. I know how I can be bad at putting. I just don't understand how he, who, like, you you don't win a Masters by being bad at putting, by the way. So, like, he obviously, like, there's a good putter in there somewhere. It's not like we're talking about Luke List here, who has been, like, the worst putter in the world since he's come on tour, or, like, a dude has just struggled his entire career. Like, he's been elite at putting before. This is, like, a weird just a weird thing like we are in like a prolonged slump where he's not only costing himself like a historic amount of money and historic amount of wins but this is now getting into like yips territory for me where it seems to be like entirely between the ears and for a dude with so much confidence in like the harder parts of the game and who also like never really gets rattled on the course like has sort of like a laid-back attitude very weird um but like I mean, he has to be just the favorite again in every tournament he plays in because the ball striking is like so historically good right now. It's just crazy. Yeah, I would think this has to be a record. That has to be a record, right, for discrepancy between strokes gained tee to green and strokes gained putting. That's what, what, what a 28-stroke difference. Like, no, like, nobody could – I don't think has ever probably – it's almost that. 30 strokes. <laughs> like, what, what are we talking about here? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, 100% it has to be mental with the putting, I think, as you said. like, and it, Which makes me think that he will. He will bounce back eventually. Um, but yeah, man, what a, what a season this could have been, honestly. Like, um, just the amount of wins that he could have had, even putting, like you said, average, even not even but like not even average. He he, he doesn't even need to put average. Ever. Like could, just not the worst he, ever. You have to make a three like, and a half footer to get into this playoff. Like that's just right. wild. Right. That's yeah, an eighty percenter for like us. Yeah. yeah. Man, three and half, come on, dude. Three and a half. That's inside the putter. <laughs> that's just outside the putter length. Like, come on. Well, listen, right, I'll 70%, still be at 70%. Okay, I'll take 70. I'll take 70. I'll still be asking for the other team to give it to me, though. That's right. If it's, if it's match play. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I don't know. I don't I don't want to say I feel I, I don't want to say I feel for the guy because I think he I think he will um bounce back and, and kind of you know regain the form that he's had over the past whatever it is, 18 months. But um yeah, just just weird, weird to see at this point. And then, um, 
What else? Who else? Rory. Rory. I yeah, took Rory. Rory's got to be other story point, right? Oh my gosh! Like, like, like going into the final group on a Sunday for once, like having some momentum, like, uh, and then like the the wedge play and just like the short iron play was like so so bad on Sunday. Like, just missed green after green after green and put him in put himself in like tough situations. Yeah. Um, and I also noticed like the whole tournament not really playing driver that much. And maybe you don't have to with his length, but I know one of those par fives on the back nine, like I think he played four iron, four iron, like every single round and still, you know, was around or on the green with four iron, four iron, because he's ridiculous. But like, just weird for him to not be hitting, you know, a just driver on a par five for one. Um, But then like not either not having the confidence in his driver, not having the confidence in his wedge game, but yeah, just all over the place. And obviously like fell out of contention, like, really early uh on sunday and was really like never a factor and just like yeah disappointing again from him like you know you think it's finally coming together and like i thought i was going to be right out of nowhere like that's the most important part to me is like i called it out of nowhere like i just had a feeling i was like oh my god i'm a genius like look at this look at this pull from out of the depths and he does what what rory does which is you know just like shrink in big tournaments for the last like two years so he he's been vocal in the past about not really loving this course. Um, and I think it's for that reason. Like obviously driver historically has been his best weapon. And I think this course largely just takes it out of his hand. So I think from like a strategic standpoint this week, he really committed to the fact that it was like he just was not gonna hit driver on on most of these holes. And he really he really stuck with that. Um and yeah, what what he can do with non-driver is just absolutely insane. And it wasn't like all bad from the start on Sunday, right? Like he had the whole he had that hole out, I think, uh, yeah. pretty early on. Um, he made a bogey early on, but then bounced back. I think he had like a bird. He went like birdie, bogey, birdie, or something like that. So like he was bouncing back from like a couple of bad holes, but then yeah, the wedge play just so so poor like he's making bogey from like inside of 125 yards like you just can't do that obviously and um yeah that makes me a little worried about him this not to jump into this week too early but there's going to be a ton of wedge play this week being a shorter course and um he's always he's the favorite again i think deservedly so uh you know obviously given this field but um yeah, just interested to see what he does with the wedge again this week because, as you mentioned, yeah, very, very poor. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, no, I thought I thought you were a genius as well. I thought you hit it. Uh, I, I, uh, oh. I had a little success in the in the DraftKings world again this week, so I hit another uh, uh, showdown, Captain Mode showdown. My boy Siwoo came through for me, so oh, he cool. was another interesting round. So he opened bogey, bogey, and I was like, so I, I had him as my captain. Yeah, great pick. Yeah. yeah. Bogey, bogey. I was like, okay, yeah. So, but the thing about C, then he went on the, a bird, nice little birdie streak there uh, to close out the front nine, I believe. So, he, um, I, I think there's something to be said for not letting um, short term failures affect you. And he is certainly yes. that type of guy where he's just going to continue to, you know, uh, foot on the gas and go for it. And, and sometimes that works out. And I think in terms of like, DraftKings scoring, that's the those are the kinds of guys that you want, right? Like, of course, bogey bogey is not a great start in terms of like if you have an outright on the guy, you're probably feeling not great about it. Although he did climb all the way back up to the top of the leaderboard. But in terms of draft, if you're playing DraftKings, like 
you want scoring. So if the guy's going to shoot bogey bogey, but then go out and birdie, you know, four holes in a row, that's better than a guy who's making six pars in a row. So uh, you want that sort of aggressive nature and, and guys who are scoring. So, um, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely see. right. You absolutely want you you want guys who can go on streaks, like you said, of, of birdies after birdie, despite you know throwing in a bogey here and there, versus like a high floor type of guy. Um, this this is going to be totally off the cuff. So if we have to postpone this, but I have I have a thought. Um, because Siwoo sort of reminded me. I was watching the finals, and I was talking to a buddy about Jamal Murray, um, of the Nuggets who like to me is like I don't know I don't know if there's a guy in the NBA that goes like shorter from just having like a normal awesome game to like just engulfed in flames hot and like throwing everything in from everywhere on the court like I Kyrie sort of used to be like that too where he could just get like hot in like one make um Devin Booker is another guy that sort of came to mind and if there was like a golf version of that of like who guys who could just get like insta hot like Siwoo would be like sort of at the top of a list like that. I I know I just asked it like who else would be in like the instant hot group. I got like like Rom is like obvious, but like who are dudes who can just like you know obviously shoot themselves out of tournaments too. But when they make a birdie, could string like three, four, five, like six together, like throw together like a thirty side. Um. Yeah, Sui being one of them. I think like all the good ball strikers, I sort of think are in that category. But I was just trying to think of like who are like the true like birdie streakers. Yeah. In golf. You got like any off the top of your head? I got a couple. I yeah, I know. On you. For me, the one guy that comes to mind who's like young, up and coming would be Akshay. Um, yeah. So yeah. he he will put together some uh, super low sides. Like you'll see him come out and shoot like thirty. 230 pretty often um but he can also blow up um as as it goes but you know um and then other guys sort of like better players i would say um is there a guy like all the good players i feel like there are guys who like just never make mistakes and like make you know make birdies here and there but i'm talking about like the more volatile guys who you know like you said make two bogeys you're not quite out of it because you know there is a run like that. I guess like Thomas sort of used to be like that. JT sort of used to be like that. Like this this year, yeah. like severely lacking. Like it's cut again this week. Knocks me out of our pool. Like we didn't really even touch on that because all of it's going on. But like we're in the final two in our pool because JT screwed me. But he used to be a guy that could put together like those super low sides. I don't, I don't really trust that anymore. But yeah, shot maker like that. But like I sort of think of like um like a Morikawa for example like I don't think like comes out and can put like six birdies together but can shoot no. can shoot like 31, 32, like you know in that number but like it's always birdie par par birdie par birdie like just like but doesn't yeah. doesn't them together like that right 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 won't like put the put the streaks together um yeah i don't know so yeah jt i'm glad you mentioned him as well like what i don't understand what is going on with that guy because i this season i've been so so incredibly disappointing even historically when he was sort of at his like better parts of his career you mentioned i mean you you described his game perfectly like he he obviously had the elite talent to go and score low and and put these streaks together but He's always been kind of pretty inconsistent in my mind. Like, um, couldn't could miss a cut, you know, even when he was playing super well 
and it would not really be a surprise because he he just does that from time to time. So um, yeah. yeah, but I feel t- like the t- floor t- has gotten lower though with him. Like the ceiling is uh, yeah. sort of, well, even though honestly, like the ceiling hasn't really been there this year at all. But I still think he has that inside him somewhere. Yeah, but this floor, even though like you said, like he he's got enough volatility where if he missed a random cut, that'd be weird. But now we're talking like miscut cut at the Masters, miscut cut at the Memorial. Like like what you know these are these are big tournaments where even at his worst, like he's there for the weekend and usually making like a weekend run. Um, right. Yeah, I don't know. So I think it's funny the guys like like him. You know, he's going through a little bit of a rough stretch right now. We saw Spieth obviously go through a super rough stretch, but now with the Ryder Cup coming up this fall, those are like a couple of guys where I feel like as poorly as they play, you their them, right? spot. I think their spot yeah. on the Ryder Cup team is like solidified for life. Yeah. Just just given the resume, even even with given how poorly some of them have played over like the course of the regular PGA tour season. God, I don't even think about that. Like you would think like if, if JT this year was like golfer X, like, I don't think he's going to qualify like in one of those top six spots. And he really wouldn't even be in like consideration for like one of the captain's picks, but you're right. Like the reputation is very strong. And he obviously like the talent is, is, is in there somewhere. Like he is, this is a major winner. And like a you know a perennial contender, and then like obviously a really good Ryder Cup record too. But yeah, the funk the funk has been like just ultra rare for him. Yeah. All right, you got any other lingering thoughts before we go full into this? Like I said, like I, I'm surprised they didn't just cancel this tournament. But before we get full into the Canadian, like any other you know lingering thoughts on a on the Memorial? I'm 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 good there. Nope, I'm ready. Let's move on to the RBC. We got we got a debut course. That'll be the first time this year where we have a debut course. Uh, you know, on the Pro Tour, we're at Oakdale Country Club, um, which is a par seventy two, uh, just over seventy two hundred yards, so not not a ton of length. And like what I'm reading about this course, since we haven't really, you know, we haven't had any history here, um, a difficult front nine, and then like a super duper duper easy back nine coming up, like birdie fest back nine, and then. The front nine may be a little bit more of a challenge, um, but even that front nine, 16 of the 18 holes are pretty straight. Like in general, that's just the shape. So like, I don't think we're really going to get much of a challenge there. Um, not super long. And I think we're going to be looking at a lot of shots with short irons and wedges, as you sort of alluded to earlier when we talking about Rory, like um, sort of like the Memorial in that the longer you hit it, the skinnier the fairway gets here. Um, and the, the rough is pretty penal. So I think we're looking for like, you know, when we're thinking about who's going to win and who's going to contend, like we're looking at short game, um, I guess sort of, you know, encompassing 125 and in like wedge players, good putters, um, because we might sort of be having like a putting contest for a little bit of this for sure. Um, I don't know if you're seeing the same thing. Uh, yeah. So as you mentioned, the shorter course, uh, a little bit weaker field. So I'm seeing some varying uh, like sort of commentary though on exactly how easy it's going to play. I've heard scores as far as like what mid twenties in terms of like what people think the winning, the winning score is going to be. Yeah. Which would be like a super birdie fest, right? That's yeah. But I've also heard other people talking like maybe like minus 12 to minus 15, where, as you mentioned, like the rough being sort of penal and they think there's just not enough trouble where uh, these guys are going to struggle, even though the, despite the length, obviously not being uh, a real big factor but yeah some looking at some of these holes i was looking at the scorecard earlier today like i mean i think there's a par five 18 is like what's under 500 yards i think right, right. it's a par five like right um 
Uh, these like you have to think these guys are just gonna eat that up, but um, I don't know. We'll see. So yeah, um, not not the worst field obviously we've seen this year. It's weaker than what we've seen in the past couple of weeks, but um, still yes. some good R- names. RBC, right? I read like I read that you know because the RBC is a sponsor and it's like a sponsor of a ton of these top guys. Like this is one of the commitments they have to make to their sponsor. It's not not a bad, especially like before the U S open coming off a designated event, it's almost like a designed lull in the, in the like schedule, but good God, is it getting some publicity this week? Like, you know, not only are there some top names, but with all this going on, like, like press day tomorrow is going to be must see. Like I'm already reading, like, you know, like obviously golf, but you know, I I know, I know they don't want to face some of these questions, but I think also a part of it is like, Oh my God, we're like the top of the news right now. Like all the uh, press conference times are listed tomorrow because they're going to be like must see events. I was also going to say today I was tuned into like the press today because I wanted to hear somebody come out and say and uh, Fitzpatrick was scheduled to talk at one o'clock our time. And um, he's been one of the guys that were super vocal about live. And I know like I was looking at the live stream and he's not there and he's not there. I'm just looking at like the bat like the background. And then it comes out on Twitter of him like taking a shot in the 11th fairway at like 115. So I was like, all right, well, I think he's saying like F off to the media today. If he's on his second hole of, of his yes. practice round 15 minutes uh, late to his presser like that, that cracked me up a little bit. Nobody saw something similar. Today. It was like, this is Fitzpatrick at 110 walking down the fairway. Yeah. <laughs> like, he had a press conference 10 minutes ago, but obviously not. not I was watching on. it live. I wanted to hear somebody. And then the next guy up was like Mike Weir, I think. And I was like, no, nah, not the name I want to hear from. So I tuned out. Yeah, local Canadian. Yeah. 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 That's, a, that's, that's a long way of saying that it's an exciting field. And, and I think that... <laughs> um, I don't know if you have... Like, I know every every week I like to do like just... You know, let's take the odds away. Who's going to win? You got that guy this week mm-hmm. of like who's just going to win this tournament straight up? Because I think I do. Uh, I don't, uh, yeah, I like um, I like Hatton quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been putting together a few recent sort of pretty good weeks with super strong fields. Um, and I think with a little bit of weaker field, this is a good spot where he can kind of jump on and, and possibly get a win. Um, yeah, I don't a couple a couple guys further down the board that I'm really excited about. So uh Ludwig Aberg yes. obviously is making yes. uh, a big sort of debut here. He he's sort of had a lot of hype around his game. Um doesn't play hasn't played in the PGA tour yet, but um has a lot of um again hype, just sort of young player and, and hoping for big things from the future. Uh, Nikolai Hogard is another guy who was like very popular, maybe like a month ago. He had a couple um, not so great finishes in, in recent tournaments. Um, but I think a good spot for him to sort of jump back on track and, and um, I'll be looking for him hopefully to have a good week as well. How about you? Yeah, I think so to win the tournament straight up without the odds. I like Justin Rose a lot. I just like the fit course fit sort of the fit for his game. He's been in great form. I don't like him at 18 to one though. That's just not quite high enough for me. I like you sort of find like the people I'll be betting on like lower. Um, and I'll start with Adrian Maronk, um, who I, I couldn't pronounce in the match play because I hadn't really seen him, but like, uh, you know, foreign player has had a great run of form uh, and a great wedge player as well. And I think that's sort of going to be the theme of all my picks is going to be like good short game players that maybe you're not going to see like next week as, as some of the contenders, um, Eric Cole at 50 to one, like, honestly, this like 50 to 60 to one is sort of where I'm going to be like all over. 
I like Moronk. I like Cole is 50 to one. Um, Svensson, I don't really like to win, but a Canadian in Canada, like top 10 at 450, I like. And then another like actual person I'll be betting on is Mackenzie Hughes at 55 to one. Um, just like one of the best, you know, wedge putter players on a course where he's not going to have to be long to to be successful and also in his native Canada as well. Um, so I like him there. And then finally, um, my favorite pick of my week is going to be uh, C. Young. Um, it'll be Carson Young at 90 to one, um, because right now he's sort of the better young. Um, but I like him at that price just as a flyer. Um, I, I think like I sort of may take him as like a first round leader type of like, like dart throw with like higher odds. Um, but he's been playing some good golf. And again, this is like not a tournament where, um, you know, the bombers will thrive. Like, like this is sort of a more like fairway. And then, like I said, short iron wedge, and then somebody who's going to make a lot of putts and, and these guys sort of fit that category. Um, but I am like, I am pretty curious to see like, um, you know, in, in these tournaments, there is like always more volatility brought in because they could turn into like putting contests. Like I'm really scared to make this like survivor pick this week. I don't really know. Like I'm just scared when there's so much volatility and when putting and just like putting variants will come into play. Um, how do you feel about a guy uh, like Corey Connors? who came off a really shitty week, as you know, at the Memorial, um, but is like in Canada now. And like, just strictly from a ball striking perspective, like fits a course like this, like really well, like you got confidence in him this week. You got confidence in a guy like Cam Young, like sort of same thing. Like these are guys where I like, you know, if I'm talking about like, if a stud's going to miss the cut, like, man, like I'm worried about some of these top guys is like, like Canada should do that. Yeah. Um, for me, between those two, I mean, I'll I'll always go back to Corey, Corey Connors. He's just a guy that that I love, despite burning me last week. Um, he, I just love so much about his game, the par five scoring. When we mentioned the short par fives here, I think he like he's a candidate to eagle multiple of them this mm-hmm. this week. So, um, Cam Young, I'm a little bit more concerned about honestly. Um, and I love I, it pains me to say that because I love Cam Young, but just the game as it seems to be couple missed cuts at courses where like he seemed to be a perfect fit got him got him at three to one last week on that miss yeah i mean he doesn't seem to be getting talked up a lot this week which maybe is a good thing so maybe it's a nice little sort of bounce back spot for him i don't really know but yeah between those two i would trust connor's probably a little bit more um i love that you said carson young he's a big guy i'm on a lot this week love the 90 uh, 90 to one number i think the first round play that you mentioned is a great great spot as well um, so here's a guy I'd be looking at. The other guy is Dylan Wu. Um, mm-hmm. Again, similar to, similar to Nikolai Hogard, uh, a couple poor starts of late, but before that was just a top 20, like absolute machine. Um, and I think it's sort of that run of extended form, hopefully he can bounce back and um, sort of sort of find some good success here at this course. Uh, another guy I'm looking a little bit further on down the board, uh, another native Canadian, big on the Canadians this week. So uh, this guy, Aaron Cockerell. Um, so he uh, actually, so uh, a, a guy that I like to follow on Twitter and just sort of some of his golf content, uh, good friend of Pat Mayo is uh, Jeff Feinberg. If you don't follow him on Twitter, he's a good sort of follow good golf uh, content stuff, but 
he is uh, a native of Canada, and uh, this course that they're playing at this week is like his home course that he grew up on. Uh, so he's he's been there previously. He was there um, for the players' meeting today. He got a couple of like questions in and, and posted the video live. So some good stuff there. Um, but actually, while he was doing that stuff on the course, he was like sort of in the parking lot doing an interview with some other like podcasting guy and, and was posting live video. And this guy, Aaron Cockrell, just happened to be like walking by. So he like shouted out to him and, and the guy came over and like, uh, you know, stuck his head in, in the camera and like kind of gave him a little bit of interview. So I thought that was pretty cool just to kind of, uh, you know, just give the guy like a little bit of time. who's just kind of there hanging out. So uh, his number is 250 to one. Uh, so a little bit of a flyer there, but uh, I'll be playing him in DraftKings and a guy that I sort of like this week as well. So, yeah, these well, you got uh, any long shots? Yeah, the, I mean, my longest shot I will say is Richie Rowensky at mm. five hundred to one. Um, I don't think that's a realistic name, but he's a guy I do dart throw as like a first round top five sometimes. Um, he's a, also a Massachusetts kid, won the big break on Golf Channel back in the day. But we're all sort of take like, you know, this, these are my favorite weeks when it comes to like making DraftKings lineups, because I do like when a lot of guys are going to be able to um, be in play. And this for me is like a sweet, like studs and duds week where you can find like a bunch of guys in the 6,000s, like Rorensky being one of them. I think he's like at 63 or 64. Um, I like Smotherman who's in the 6,000s as well. Like, you know, just some short hitters who who make putts and you can finally, like, actually score with these dudes. Another dude Smotherman's another Smotherman is another guy that always seems to show up like first time first round leader as well. Yeah, yeah like they that. can't sustain it, but they can go low in some of these putting contests. Um, oh, Who's another guy? Uh, Kramer Hickok, like another guy like on these short courses who like like jumps to the top of the leaderboard sometimes. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you're really going to get analytical about it. Like if you can find a way to, I don't know what the wind is going to look like, but the better weather back nine, like starters, like you sort of want to line up your best players at the back nine to start, or, or, you know, if the, if it's captain mode, like same thing. Um, but yeah, like fun week in that regard, but like, yeah, really scary week to bet because there are a lot of guys that can come and win, but also a week to, you know, maybe hit some of those long shots. So who knows? Yep. Sounds good. Um, all right. Yeah. I guess we're going to digest a little bit more of this uh, PGA live controversy and uh, hopefully enjoy a little bit of the, the golf this weekend, but uh, truly looking forward to to next weekend as well. Yeah, dude, I'm super excited about it. You know, we'll, uh, you know, we'll have a lot more to talk about next week at the uh, LA country club for the U S open. And um, yeah. All right, man. On to uh, onto another exciting week next week.